This is the EPLOG audio experience. Hi, this is Kunal Kapoor and I'm the host for Podcast MD by Keto. Before we get into it, let me tell you how Podcast MD by Keto came about. As most of you may know, I'm also one of the founders of Keto, one of the country's leading crowdfunding platforms. Medical crowdfunding has been one of the biggest causes for us at Keto. Over 500 crores have been raised to successfully fund urgent medical cases and save lives. But sadly, the number of people in India not able to afford healthcare has only been rising. And so we've increased our focus on healthcare to make it more accessible and affordable. While being unable to secure funds for treatment is obviously one of the biggest concerns for both patient and their family. We found there were gaps beyond as well. When someone is suddenly hit with a serious medical condition, there's so much one isn't prepared for. One may or may not be prepared to handle the finances, but everything else that comes with it, one certainly isn't prepared for. And that's what Podcast MD by Keto is about. Trying to understand everything around, the emotional aspect, dealing with doctors in hospitals, making the difficult choices, and just coping with it all. Another thing that we came to realize in working closely with healthcare was that in spite of increased efforts and awareness, the number of cancer-related cases are only increasing. And so, we decided that in our first season, we're going to take on the big scene. I'm going to be chatting with cancer survivors from different backgrounds to find out how they dealt with everything that comes with the disease. We want survivors to share their experiences as that could inspire and help others get through a difficult period in their life and also help them understand more about the disease. Our guest for today is Rachit Kulshreshta, one of the most inspiring people I've met. He's a two-time cancer survivor and a single arm amputee. An epitome of positivity, a motivational speaker, his journey is nothing short of inspiring. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachit. Thank you. And, uh, thank you for having me here. You know, thank you so much for being here to share your story. It's such an incredible story and I'm sure this is a story that will inspire so many people out there. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So let's let's start right from the beginning, your childhood. Where did you grow up? So I was born in Indore and I was raised in Pune. And I moved there when I was five years old. You moved to Pune when you were five? Five yeah? years old, yes. And initially it's like, oh my God, which city is this? But then you fall in love with the city and everything works out and... Yeah, Pune was a really small city then, I'm imagining. I mean, it was a really small town. Yeah. I moved there back in 92 and yes. So, we had a total of four people, as in my elder brother. I have my father and my mother. And yeah, that's about my family. So, was it because of change of job that your family shifted or...? Uh, Yeah, my father wanted us to get better better education and a better life. So, he decided to move into Pune and things like that. Right. So, at five... Uh, you were diagnosed with cancer for the first time. Yes, I was diagnosed by the first cancer that was osteogenic sarcoma that had stuck to my left hand. <laughs> right. And uh, this was when you were five years old? Yes. And you, you had already shifted to Pune by then? Uh, yes, I had shifted to Pune by then. And uh, what were like the first symptoms of... I mean, I, I know it's really far back, but do you remember what the symptoms were? Yes. So, actually, I remember that I had this kind of a pain in my hand. Hmm. And I told my parents that, you know, I have this pain in my hand. 
and my parents uh, refer showed me to a doctor hmm. and he just uh, he's like okay it could be a fracture or things like that and he uh, gave me my he put me in the fracture or this thing but the pain was constantly there hmm. so then my father showed it to another like a bigger doctor and that doctor uh, did my surgery he operated it and he said that there is cancer but i've cured it and he's all good to go hmm. again post this i still had that pain in my left hand and i went to my parents so my parents went to another doctor to consult hmm. and he said that this doctor has not done his job properly you should strongly go to tata memorial hospital that was his recommendation so that's the time when we actually went to tata memorial hospital and by then the cancer had reached the collarbone so right. it was almost like in a do or die stage i had to be immediately be uh, uh, operated and, and hospitalized operated. and the doctor was really nice so uh, that doctor used to get chocolate sir remember for me and i i know it's very long back but do you remember anything of that time what your reaction was and uh, what was going through your mind then or how your parents reacted to this uh, so i was not told that i'm going to lose my hand i was maybe too young so they didn't want to tell me that but i just remember i went inside the operation theater and i come out hmm. and i'm like okay there's something missing and hmm. <laughs> so i realized that my left hand is not there and um it came out to me as a shock but i was so young that you know you're not i i think you know that you cannot express emotions all that well in that young age comparatively i remember that my parents were all around me to pamper me and give me all the things that i really wanted and i started missing it where uh, i had to get used to doing things with the right hand completely hmm. so it was a very big challenge i remember like i used to ask my father for everything how do i do this how do i do this uh, as my parents so slowly slowly I got used to living life with one hand and doing things with one hand. Hmm. And at this point uh, you'll obviously moved back to Pune and then from Tata Memorial once the surgery was done you were back in Pune. I was back in Pune. And so I used to constantly come for my chemotherapy sessions to Tata Memorial and I remember that the very first time chemo is such I think you know it's never the cancer that's the issue hmm. or the surgery is the chemo that is a really really A, a tough thing to go through because it wipes out your whole blood cells and everything so i remember like the moment i got out of the hospital i could not even walk my remember my father was carrying me in his arms to the nearest guest house that we were staying to dada and i started losing my hair and it does freak you out you do become uh, very vulnerable at that state correct and obviously things were very different in school then once you went back to school oh yes i want to highlight this because I know there's going to be another child somewhere down the line in school who's going to not have a hand or a leg or any sort of a disability. What really happens is a lot of children make fun of you. Mm. Now, when I grown up, I realized that everyone's been silly when they were children. So, I just want to highlight these to the parents that you know you should try not to make fun of these children because I think I lost a lot of confidence and I was always made fun of in school and that really hit me really hard and I was I become a very negative person till a good age I did not make peace with this issue. I was this very angry and rebellious kid and it turned me into this person who wouldn't study and who wouldn't uh, focus on doing things uh, the way they should be done and yes what would your advice to parents be that are going through something similar what did your parents do to sort of make you feel better about the situation best advice i could give to the parents is you need to hear him out you need to hear his feelings and hear what's happening in his school hear what's uh, what how his friends are treating him uh, there was a little gap because actually i'll be very honest my father is used, is a working man and he 
is 20 days out of the month he used to be out of, out of station and my mom was busy with all the other responsibilities so and there were two of us so she had to raise both of us right and uh, so i think the best way i've learned how to actually overcome these things is to laugh on it make fun and make jokes once you make peace with it and accept yourself and uh, the society needs to be more acceptance of people where uh, that's why I'm a fighter of inclusion whether it's a person who's disability or lgbt or any person everybody needs to be included in everything and i was always excluded i could not do boxing after i lost my hand and i wouldn't get an opportunity to box and i was so persistent about it i was really behind my sports sir and my sports sir was like see if you go out in the ring with one hand you're just going to get beaten up and he put it very realistic Uh, out to me and i want to highlight that now i see that there are a lot of sports and this inclusion is really playing its part so i mm. think things will get better and yes it's going to be better for everyone you you did eventually become a goalkeeper we'll come back to that yeah. but uh, uh, you mentioned a couple that came into your life and you said had a huge impact on your life yeah. can you tell us a little about this couple uh yes this couple came into my life and they uh, gave uh, so i was very vulnerable i was very negative I remember I could not even look myself in the mirror. I come from that uh, thing, and uh, so they made me go through these books. Uh, they did like this—you can say it like a therapy session—and um, where they taught me things and to look at things and how to make peace with it. And they taught me how to embrace your disability. And it even came with a lot. I learned how to laugh on it, and we would make funny jokes. like you know if I, the best part is nobody can see the um, i can show anybody a finger from the left hand mm-hmm. magical finger and nobody will ever know about it <laughs> uh, i save up on the deodorant as well <laughs> so this was uh, what what age did you meet this couple i met this couple when i was 18 years old you i was 18 yes i picked up a first job and i met this couple and yes they've been a very big blessing to my life and i met a lot of wonderful people through them and That's where the power started coming in. Uh-huh. But uh, tell me something. You mentioned that you were a goalkeeper. Yes, I want to highlight this. So I was in school, and we had these matches coming up, and I always wanted to be a goalkeeper. And obviously, the stereotype thinking would be like, how can a one hundred person be a goalkeeper? And so I was a substitute goalkeeper. They gave me this position where you just cannot come to out of the field. Always being excluded of sports, and I've been a very sports person, and I realized that. So I was a substitute for this match and to my luck or to my bad luck both actually mm-hmm. the goalkeeper got injured and this time I gave that look to the coach like you there's no way you cannot let me go in now and he said yes it's your turn you can go in and I saw the moment I was walking in the coach of the opponent team and the team they like just noticed and they gave me this weird look uh, like 100 guys going there we're going to win this match I saved a lot of good goals and important goals and so we don't really have a man of the match over there but we always right. have this discussion of the best person in the team and I remember my coach saying uh, I really like what he said uh, I like he said uh, I see this 100 guy coming to goalkeeper and I thought we're going to win this game but this goalkeeper did an amazing job and that was the first time where I was like yeah you know I'm also going to go and grab the world and I'm also going to do things uh, what I really want to do right right yeah. that was amazing yeah I mean I got goose flesh when I heard that story Thank you. It was, yeah. it was. It's amazing that that you were a goalkeeper in the team. Yeah. And uh, I know it's very, very far back, and you were very young then. Do you remember how many cycles of chemo you had to go through at that point of time? I do not remember the the, the number of cycles, but in terms of time duration, I used to be in the hospital for like almost eighteen, nineteen hours. and it's to be really irritating you just stuck on the bed and i'm not a person who likes to sit in one place or like to move around so you just stuck 
and you got to go through those bottles so for me it was like my parents and i used to get very irritated and i used to throw a lot of tantrums at those chemotherapy time and my parents used to make it very simple they were like okay you have seven bottles the moment you finish seven bottles you're going to go home so things like that is how i remember it okay i used to wait literally count okay one bottles up i was like increase the speed but if you increase the speed it hurts a lot so you just got to learn a lot of patience i think universe tries to teach you a lot of patience that's one thing i've learned right and then uh You said that at eighteen you met this couple and they start changing your life. Yes. But up until then there was obviously a lot of like pent up stuff and you know they are the ones that help you release that. Yes. I had made like a big balloon of uh, holding all the suppressing all the emotions and um, whether it's in school life or in like you know other things, tuitions, everything. I was just suppressing it and suppressing it and keeping it inside. We we were talking about this earlier and you said that you think it's really important that somebody that's going through this reaches out to other people. and yes. even therapy is really important counseling is really important yes. and that helped you a lot so can you tell us a little about that yes uh before i begin i just want to highlight this thing where i realized that youngsters who are in their 20s and their 30s or even below always think that counseling or going for help or therapy means you're a psycho hmm. i think they're watching too much of those netflix criminal mm-hmm. mind but i want to tell them that everybody has a problem and everyone has a problem and you should find someone who you can go and talk and you know release that issue because what i've learned from my life is you keep making this balloon inside you with all your issues and you're suppressing it suppressing it keeping it inside and one day that balloon becomes really big and it cannot handle itself and it bursts and when that balloon bursts it, it's very difficult to explain it in words but it's like the worst time of your life where you're like physically emotionally mentally everywhere you're like just drained out and you feel like it's the end of the world and hmm. you don't want to do anything anymore and things like that and therapy really helped you with that therapy really helped uh going for uh sessions to just talk to people and hear and was this a whole support group or was it like uh, one therapist that you were meeting so it's a therapist that i would meet huh. one of them i uh, i would like to really name her is anita sanas and uh, she along with sherry commissariant arena nilofer have really helped me where i've gone for sessions uh, some of them have been one on one sessions some have been in group we've done meditation and a few beautiful activities that really taught me a lot about life right and then uh, there was the second bout of cancer yeah. uh, the relapse cancer number 2 uh. i really thought god has some personal grudges uh. that we that have you know <laughs> so this I, was in 2014 this was in 2014 how, how old were you then i was 27 years old 27 yes so you had gone gone through about 21 years being completely cancer free completely cancer free at the time i even got sick of going for my uh, routine checkup because i just knew i'm over it and my parents even uh, i thought we should throw the old file the tata file that back record so i had this lump started to grow on my right leg and very honestly i ignored it for a while i was thinking that maybe it's just a small sprain or a, like a like there's a swelling of some muscle or something like that and that kind of little backfired in a way and i finally went to my father and by the time the lump had become really big so we did this biopsy to check what is it and uh, the biopsy deci- uh, declared that this is pleomorphic sarcoma if i'm pronouncing that correctly it's supposed to be a very rare cancer that has happened to me and 
at that time i think my dad was really freaking out my parents were freaking out like second time cancer and things like that and there so, were no symptoms before this there was no symptoms absolutely i was i never had any issues in living my day to day life and no limitations there was nothing, nothing there was no indication that there was something wrong nothing i had even not even a slightest clue I, it came like as a big shock and a surprise when i had have cancer i actually wanted to check the report to just double check it and how long before you like sort of uh, you know discovered this lump and you went and got yourself treated as in checked uh i had ignored it for like good 2 3 months oh so it was there for 2 3 months and you didn't sort yes. of pay attention to it pay attention to it ignoring it and so busy with the whole routine of life and i just thought okay it'll, it'll heal up it'll heal up i just want to highlight you see anything in wrong with you you should immediately go to the doctor so then what happened is the doctor who did the biopsy uh said that uh, you know i cannot assure you that we will be able to save his leg uh he might lose his leg and that was like a real freaky time for me because one leg is one hand is already short and now if the leg is gone i'm in big trouble so this is in pune uh, still in pune yes still in pune right uh, actually i was in goa i was working as a barman and i was selling poems on the beach but then i came back uh, to pune uh, to meet my parents and i showed them the thing and i did the biopsy and the doctor wasn't answering my father's call and i know my dad must have called him a lot of times understanding my son and things like that but the doctor was very rude in way, uh, this thing uh, so we consulted our family friend doctor and he said you know don't get him operated here i just wanted to get the biopsy done from this doctor but i rec- recommend you go to dr puri who's in tata memorial and he's a very famous doctor he's probably the third in asia that's what i heard about him before uh, getting operated by him and he's a fine doctor and a fine gentleman and he said that looking at his mri report he can save his leg and uh, we but we need to operate him immediately so that was the thing and i remember getting an mri done in the tata memorial hospital was like a very big task i just hope they put in more machines for people because there are not a lot of machines over there there's a long wait list they do eventually treat everyone but there's a long wait list you don't even know when your time is going to come you're just sitting for hours and hours and hours and just waiting that your time will come and it's a very uh, emotionally a downtime for the family and everyone mm. around mm. and uh, this time what was the line of treatment that you had to undergo so this time it was a very different treatment uh, suggested by dr puri i had to go through radiation they cannot operate me immediately because they wanted the radiation to kill half the cancer inside so i went through radiation for a while and it gets like this really black scar on your leg radiation is not painful at all because uh, you're just sitting in this machine it gets you in in 3 minutes you're out of the machine you're done with it you can go home hmm. and uh, they just keep giving you some radiations on this particular whether if uh, the cancer affected area i had that for a while and then dr puri decided to operate me when after that and which happened in tata memorial bombay and how long was that surgery i think approximately 5 to 6 hours and I remember I woke up this time very fast in the first one I like took a long time I remember I had this oxygen thing on me and yes but the second time I woke up fast and I remember I had this real massive pain in my hand but technology is doing really well they they had this thing it's like a shot you keep puncturing it to yourself and the painkiller keeps going through Correct. and it's a smart system it does it locks out also if you keep pressing it and you had to go through cycles of chemotherapy again yes they were comparatively a shorter cycle to my first cycle that i had with my first cancer but again you know it's just like you have to get up and go out there and wait i want to highlight another thing when i was going for my chemo i was really up cribbing to the universe like why me and things like that you know my chemo this time i was so blessed that i just had to go for like 2 3 hours but i just met a guy sitting on the next bed of me and i remember he he's like i'm going to be here for 24 hours 
and you're complaining about just being here for two three hours and that time i was like okay universe always finds a way to teach something and i shut my mouth up and i made peace with it and yes and um, then i started moving was the was the chemotherapy very difficult yes chemotherapy is the worst time again losing your hair Uh, mm. you don't get lucky with women sometimes well mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worst thing is the taste you do not taste anything in your mouth if you would actually blindfold me post the chemo and make me eat like a vada pav idli and a pasta i will not be able to tell you what have you made me eat the only taste that you can get is of tomato because it must be having some compound that you can identify that taste otherwise everything tastes the same and i remember my body becomes so vulnerable and so weak that climbing one floor i would lose my breath and all and you know it's the most toughest time you feel like this is it this is the end of the world and it's time to uh, lock yourself in a closet and that's what you think about and how long did this treatment last time in the chemotherapy and the radiation surgery how long was that whole period oh the whole duration of this thing was for approximately 5 to 6 months where this whole thing got over from surgery radiation and chemotherapy yes and 6 months later they said you were completely clear is it completely clear and then i just keep visiting after every 6 months for a routine check uh, to tata okay so in yeah. between that you had to do nothing yes i had to do nothing so there was no medication you had to eat like on a daily basis or Uh, yeah, I had these reg- medication that had these pills of uh, I remember vitamin C pills and some vitamin pills that I had to take, and uh, I I really wanted to avoid. I don't like taking medicines, but my parents were like, "This is something you have to do it." So I did take those medicines, and yeah. And then you took up cycling after that. Yeah, I took cycling. How did that happen? So what had happened is uh, post my surgery, I moved. I came to Bombay to work here for a while, and I wasn't doing any sports activity, and I loved playing football, but. uh what had happened is post my second surgery i had like this foot drop on my right leg so a foot drop is basically on my, if you notice my left leg right. i can make this movement of up and down on my right leg i cannot have that movement that's why it's a foot drop there's some kind of a vein which actually does the movement of your foot that vein has been removed from this leg uh during the uh, surgery okay so i couldn't football and i'm like this very person if i want to do football i will only do football there is no other way you cannot get me into gymming that is not mm. my thing and i i'm so ha- thankful to my friends they were making fun of me because i became fat and they were cracking a lot of fat jokes on me and i'm glad i got offended and <laughs> and, and you had put on a lot of weight by then is it i had put on a lot of weight i consider it a lot of weight but uh, perspective matters over here mm. and so i i I decided I'll start cycling, and I had told my friend two years ago that you know whenever you get a very crazy cycle, you let me know. I want to buy it, and he finally was uh, selling off a cycle, and so I bought the cycle. I went to his house. I bought the cycle. I brought it home, and I was like, next morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to go out there and cycle. And I really remember that I could barely cycle. I think I've cycled about two, three kilometers. I was like panting, and I, I was I couldn't cycle, and I used to be the one who used to cycle to school, and that really made me angry. I was like, oh, I was like that, and you know, I even threw my cycle in uh, in anger, and again thinking like it's the end of the world. Uh, but that night I just slept, uh, and you know, I thought, okay, I'll just give it some more time, and you know, I think time heals everything. You just got to be patient. That's the biggest lesson. Uh, when you be a little patient and you learn things from there then i worked a lot on my body i stopped smoking and i started uh, cycling uh, so i and then i realized that okay i could cycle to work my studio was about 10 kilometers from my house and then you know one thing led to another and i met this uh, people they were like we go for cycling and that time i used to hear 
they do 50 100 kilometers of cycling now i'm like what are you talking about this is are you crazy i mean you know i thought it was going to be like a big thing to do and i reached that level where i did manali to khardungla cycling 550 kilometers in 9 days wow i won medals for 200 kilometers and 300 kilometers in audax i was doing endurance for a while but now downhill has a call, calling so i go for downhill cycling without telling my parents because they'll get a little worried about me and it's but it's really worth doing it but yeah. this is all post your cancer yes this is post my second cancer i did a lot i did got involved into a lot of adventures activities and i found out a lot of things that happens there's rock climbing there's this there's that and i tried to go with the flow and did all these things you know life. after going through your second uh, cancer yeah and the relapse of the cancer and also going through the surgery and radiation chemotherapy there are a lot of people that feel like you know physically i have to now take it easy yes and you went the other way i went the other way yes i always wanted to go out i was like this very person who always wanted to do sports i wanted to represent india for cycling i came very close to that and then due to financial limitation i couldn't pursue it and i just learned it slowly slowly it came in with going through a lot of youtube tutorials how to keep your body better how to keep your cycle better and all these things came in uh, step by step and a lot of uh, friends and uh, family members my brother a lot of wonderful teachers helped me along this journey no that is incredible yes i have a lot of gratitude for every one of them that's amazing so coming back to the cancer yes i just wanted to ask you is do you remember how expensive the treatment was was that something that you know that must have weighed heavily as well yes uh it was a big is uh my surgery my second surgery must have cost around 3 lakh rupees hmm. uh honestly i come from a very middle class family and mm. to pull off that kind of an fun it must have been a very big challenge to my father uh knowing my father he wouldn't ever bring this up to me but uh yes it must have been a big challenge for my father to pull this off mm. so it was 3 lakhs for the surgery and then obviously there was the money for the radiation and the chemotherapy and things yes that'll be another separate thing and yes a lot of expensive thing i see that in keto that a lot of people at least some uh, people who are like who do not have the, have financial limitations and they're getting treatment that is really good yeah i mean that really is our attempt is that you know how can we help people raise money when they have a medical emergency and so now you're a motivational speaker yes it's very interesting actually i didn't even know about this whole profession i was just an adventure person but this friend of mine kept sudeep mane he kept telling me that you know you can be a motivational story speaker your story is inspiration just go out there and speak to people i'm like okay fine i'll go and speak to people and that's how one thing lead to another and i want to highlight that you know i'm a person who had a lot of issues with my disability i didn't make peace with it i was angry i would be rude to people because of all these things but i learned over the years that how you can overcome it by laughing on it so i just want to tell people the best way to overcome your irony is to laugh it off hmm. so we crack a lot of disabled jokes on myself hmm. and people who are disabled uh, i have a visually impaired friend and i really make a lot of blind jokes on him and that's how i would and the reason i'm bringing this up is because i want people to accept this and understand that we are as human as you are and we don't want a pedestal nor do we want to be treated down that that's what happens we go either that cycle or the other cycle you're either treated like on a pedestal or you're treated oh, like sympathy yeah the sympathy and i just want people to build an empathy and treat everyone equal and you know keep them on the same scale and things like that so yes and you said that you know at 19 you you discovered spirituality yes uh, how did that happen so i i just read books 
and I could connect to the books and I I found it to be very resonating. I read books like uh, Brian Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters. And books like You Can Heal Yourself uh, by Louis H. It's a very famous book. These are all bestseller books. So books like these really helped me out to actually make peace, uh, start laughing, you know, get back to that regular life. And again, you get back into that thing. Yes, I'm going to go out there and grab the world. And then So these happened. were the two books that had the most sort of profound impact. Impact on, on me, yes. Right. And was there any sort of alternate uh, healing that you turned to? I took a lot of Reiki and I learned about a lot of other meditations. Now, it's up to everyone, how, whatever they have a calling for. I could click with it, so I really pursued it and mm. I found a lot of peace in it and I learned a lot of things. So we always think that my life is the most toughest life on this planet. But there's always somebody who's got a far more difficult life and that's where you need to take that inspiration from. And that's what I've learned. I've, I come across people who are like triple amputees who do not have both their legs and their hand. And they are out there doing a far more thing than I can do. So there's always somebody to learn from. And uh, Reiki, when, when you were going through your second uh, chemotherapy cycles, uh, did you get somebody to give you Reiki? Or did you like try any alternate healing at that point of time? Uh, yes. Uh, as in, I used to get a long-distance Reiki healing. Sometimes I would go for a session to some of the teachers that I know. And uh, other method, uh, I was just sticking to this. And I would just uh, listen to other people who've gone through cancer and they would tell me and, you know, so we uh, we would make cancer jokes on things like that and <laughs> keep uh, like trying to move it on. And yeah. And what were the like sort of lifestyle changes you had to make? You obviously said you shifted from junk food to healthier food. Healthier food, yes. Was there any other lifestyle changes that you made? Yes, I started getting up early in the morning. I disciplined myself out in terms of my life and... Uh, I think I started taking my life more seriously because hmm. I think the universe is trying to show me that, okay, you better look after your life or you're going to like get more repercussions. And I was like, okay, no, I'll better. Taking your life seriously as in like the, the things that you wanted to do, is it? Yeah, things that I wanted to do because I was like this very laid back person and I would just not work. I was like, so I, I come <laughs> from being an employee who would not reach on time and get fired from jobs and being like this pain in the butt employee. But then, you know, when you start doing adventure things and you start cycling, it kind of uplifts you. It brings that energy in you. You want to go out there, do things. You want to grab the world. So I brought those changes in me of reaching my studio on time, reaching, doing things on time. I would strongly recommend you should get into some physical activity. Running, cycling. You don't have to go out there and do 300 kilometers if you can't. You can just even do three kilometers of cycling. That's more than enough. One kilometer, but just go out there and do something physical that really uplifts you and gets you all going. Wow, I need to get out and get on my cycle. <laughs> so looking back at this incredible journey of yours, if you had to put it in, in the simplest possible way, what would you say to people? So I just want to tell everybody that, you know, time heals everybody. And whenever you have these bad days where you feel it's the end of the world, just let them pass. Don't, you know, I come across people committing suicides and things like that. So please don't do any of those things. Just hang in there. I know bad time, it won't last forever. And the greatest thing I've learned is everything is constantly changing. So this too shall pass. Hmm. And go out there and grab the world. And don't let anything stop you. That's what I've learned. Right. The power lies within you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with a new episode. You can catch Podcast MD by Keto on all the major platforms like Apple Podcast, 
Spotify, Google Podcast, Jio Savan, and Hub Hopper. You can also find it on eplog.media, our production partner. Please send us your feedback on Twitter using hashtag #podcastmdketo. Leave us a review rating on iTunes, and make sure you subscribe to the show. Goodbye. Thank you.